a French philosopher and mathematician by the name of Blaise Pascal once argued that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Imagine that. In the 1600s, no phone, no TV, maybe nobody. And these were the problems at that time that he noticed. And after a year like 2020, where so many of us entered multiple lockdowns, and were asked to quietly spend almost an entire year in our rooms and alone to one degree or another, I'm sure at some point we too had our problems with trying to sit quietly in our rooms alone. Which really makes you wonder, what are these problems that have persisted for well over 400 years from the 1600s which was when mr pascal first noticed them till today 2021 according to pascal he um made the argument that humans fear the silence of existence we dread boredom or what we consider boredom and we choose aimless direction. We try to run away from our problems by running into the false comforts of the mind. We're always trying to be stimulated. We're always trying to be distracted. We're always trying to think about what's next. How I interpret that quote is with a bit more specificity. When I think about humanity, it's our race, the collective human beings all across this earth. But who we are today as modern man or homo sapiens isn't who we were yesterday. Our journey towards becoming modern humans started well over two million years ago as homo habilis the handyman at this point in our history we were first learning how to manufacture stones for our survival and now we have google to solve all our problems <laughs> it's crazy to think that there's research now that suggests orangutans and some chimpanzee tribes are now entering a similar stone age in their own modern evolution. From Homo habilis, we evolved into Homo erectus, the upright man. We learned how to walk upright, harness fire, hunt, and gather. Don't forget about that. We survived off the land with others, and it was the first time we, as a race, left Africa. And now we're known as Homo sapiens. I mean, there's a lot to paint in between that step. But the point I'm trying to get to is that the, the word sapiens was coined by a Swedish botanist, biologist, and zoologist by the name of 
Carl Linnaeus. He's known as the father of modern taxonomy. Sapiens is a Latin word meaning the one who knows. But knows what? That's a very vague term. For our friend Carl, his belief was that man biologically belonged to the animal kingdom and had to be included in it. But what is it? What is this kingdom? To me, that kingdom is nature itself. Wait, I'm pretty sure that's like grade 10 science class. The animal kingdoms are a part of nature, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and that brings me back to that original quote that I started off the episode with. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And I think a very important reason for that issue is that we've become so far removed from nature. Which begs me to ask the question, how do we include nature into our lives when we've become so far removed from it? And this is where science comes in. Ha! Bet you didn't see that coming. To live is to learn. We've been learning for millions of years. We've seen it with, our, with, our, with the human race. We've learned to adapt to our environment. Those that couldn't adapt didn't survive. We learned to survive. We've become overwhelmed by stress, anxiety, fear, and despair. We have to learn to deal with it. What we learn becomes part of our genetic and spiritual heritage, which is then passed on, both in our cells and in our collective conscious. We started off as homo habilis. We then learned to stand, not just for our survival, but for travel, and we became homo erectus. We've only recently become homo sapiens. We still got a long ways to go. But I envision humanity moving above and beyond the limits of our current sapiens mind and towards something that I've heard a Buddhist monk by the name of Thich Nhat Hanh express as homo-conscious, humans with the capacity to be mindful. And the relationship between science and mindfulness starts with the practice of meditation. So what is meditating? All too easily, meditation has become associated with certain stereotypes. Some people say it's something you can only do sitting down. Um, some people think it's about throwing out all the thoughts in your head. Some people think you have to practice for hours and hours or years at a time to get any benefit from it. 
there's a natural resistance when there's a relationship between meditation and, say, Buddhism as a religion. Although these stereotypes aren't entirely true, there are elements of truth in all of them. <laughs> what Buddhism teaches and what meditation shows us has nothing to do with isms, ideologies, or certain religious beliefs. Their discoveries have been proven medically and scientifically, and they can provide frameworks that can be examined by us to put to the test and confirm on our own. This is the essence of what the Buddha tried to get all of his followers to do in the first place. The message behind the Buddha is that it is in all of us. We all have the potential to awaken our inner Buddha. And by doing so, we're able to achieve nirvana. So what is meditating? Before we get into the how, or the where, the when, and all that other stuff, we have to understand the what. And it's a really hard thing to wrap your head around. Because it so heavily involves breathing. Just don't get that confused with breathing heavily. And one of the ways the meditating was explained to me is that it's a way to naturally extend a moment in time by adding one more second to each inhale and one more second to each exhale. And by doing so, you're able to cultivate open-hearted, moment-to-moment, non-judgmental awareness, which is better known as mindfulness, through a practice of cultivating inner peace and happiness, which at the end of the day is something we all want, no matter who you are. It's something we all aspire towards. But scientifically, what happens is that you give your body permission to relax. You shift your energy from your sympathetic nervous system to your parasympathetic nervous system. The system that controls your fight-or-flight responses versus the systems that control your rest and digest or your feed and breed responses. And optimally, this is done through meditation, which is best done sitting with your eyes closed, 
which falls back into all of the stereotypes that we talked about earlier. I also think it's important to note that meditation can be both formal and informal. Um, formal meditation can be practiced in a bunch of different ways. Sitting down is probably the easiest way to start. You can try lying down, although sometimes you might fall asleep, which isn't a bad thing, but standing works, as well as walking. But the real meditation experience is the informal one. Letting life itself coexist with your meditation practice and becoming aware to everything that unfolds within it. We get glimpses of it, but what happens more often than not is that we forget to treat meditation and mindfulness as a disciplined skill. A skill that probably takes a lifetime to master, but can be started with as little as three minutes a day. So we're going to start with baby steps. Nothing radical, something quite simple to give ourselves a taste of what meditation can offer. And it's something you can do when you wake up. It's something you can do before you go to bed. It's something you can do whenever. And it simply involves sitting down, getting comfortable, creating a sense of calm comfort in that space between your ears and beginning with a deep breath and just noticing your breath. I think the average adult takes 18 breaths a minute. See if you can extend your inhale by just one second. Don't try too hard. It's about trying less and you'll learn that over time. And as you exhale, Try adding one more second to that. And what you notice is that with each second that goes by, the only time is now. It's that moment. Nothing else. Whatever you did before you closed your eyes, it does not matter. Whatever you have to do when you open your eyes afterwards does not matter. In that moment where you are sitting, with your eyes closed, there is no worry. There is peace. There is happiness, which leads us to mindfulness. And a great way to begin our journey is by looking deeper into meditation. And next episode, I'm going to share my journey and how I've kind of come to where I am. So until next time, stay safe, be well, and spread kindfulness, not COVID.